0: Amen. An owner of an item goes to the Shomer and says, Where is the item I gave you? And the Shomer says, It was lost. This is gonna be in contrast to the case where he says it was stolen. So it's important. He just says it was lost. And then the owner says, I want you to swear. And he says, Amen. Just responding, Amen, to that is itself a swear. And then witnesses come and testify that, in fact, the Shomed had taken it for himself. Right? He used it or ate it or uh, hiding it. Um, so in that case, the Shomed has to pay just the principal, only the principal. However, if the Shomed admitted to it before witnesses came, he uh, he came and says, Oh, I admit, yes, I, I took it then he has to pay not only the principal, but also a fifth um, uh, and also bring korban asham. Now, why should he have to pay more if he admitted to the fact? Well, there's a source, but also we can give an explanation. The source is from here. Right? A man or a woman who make a sin against another human being, that's chato even though it's also baal right? It's also a sin against God. Uh, stealing, uh, stealing from someone else and lying about it is also, well, it has a double aspect. You're stealing from someone and you're lying in God's name, Uh, that no I didn't steal or I don't owe that person money so this person is guilty however If he admits to what he did afterwards, then he um, has an opportunity to make Teshubah. He returns the principle um, and he adds a fifth and he also brings a Korban asham. So this is the source why it's only if one admits. And the idea is that if witnesses come and find that that the Shomer has lied, then he has no opportunity to atone. Of course, he has to return the uh, lost the uh, the th- item that he stole, right? But that's it. He can't he can, can't do anything else. Whereas the person who admits to it is actually good. It's true. He has to pay more and bring a Qurban, but that's a benefit to him that he can do that. It's the same principle regarding shogeg and mezid, um, um almost all cases one can only bring a qurban hatat for something done in by accident okay now you have an opportunity to make Teshubah. you did it on purpose then you're not afforded that the privilege of having of being able to bring a qurban in order to um, make Teshubah. so that's the source and explanation for this difference so this is all if he claimed that it was lost then he pays either the principal or the principal and the fifth and Asham. Hechan Pikton malo nignav, mashpiachan li v'amad amen. V'adim ma'adim otoshek en avom misham tashlume kefel. Hodam asmo misham keren v'chomish v'asham. If the owner said, "Where is my item?" and this time the shomer says. It was stolen. I he says, I want you to swear. And he says, yes, I swear. And then when witnesses come and say it was in fact stolen. He stole it himself. So then he has to pay double. There's a difference between if he says avat or if he says nignav. This double uh, uh, seems to relate this law to a regular thief. That's the other case where we see someone paying double just someone who goes into your house and takes something and then is found, pays double. So this guy also, it uh, seems that when once the Shomer claims it was stolen, so now the item officially has the status of a stolen item, and whoever stole it will have to pay double. Turns out the Shomer himself stole it, so the Shomer make, uh, he puts himself in trouble by claiming it was stolen, because if he's the thief he's the one that now declared it to be a stolen item right now the police are on the lookout stolen item and he he's the one so now he has to pay double unlike where he says it was lost so then it doesn't never gets the official title Uh, status of being a stolen item so that when he's found out he doesn't pay double in that case so that's very interesting this kind of plugs in to the law of stolen items however if he admits on his own like a regular robber who even though he, he would not goes into your house and and steals it in the night. If he admits to it, he doesn't pay double. Um, but this guy, he would only pay single. But this one, since he also swore falsely, so then this fits into the same pasuk that we just uh, mentioned. Since he swore falsely about a monetary claim, so he has to pay the principal and a fifth, and also bring a korban asham. Hagozel etabi v'nishbah lo umet. Someone steals from his own father. He steals a hundred dollars, and he swears falsely to his father that he didn't steal it. This guy is trying his best to be a ben sorer More. and then he admits right that he did it. But in, at some point, the father dies before he pays. So now he owes the father the keren, the hundred, plus the fifth, that's 25. So he has to give the father $125. Um, and he also has to bring an asham. But now that the father died, so technically this son will inherit. So can he inherit the amount that he was supposed to have paid the father and just keep the money, basically? So the answer is no. He cannot benefit from what he stole from the father. Instead, that entire 125 will go either to a father, the father's other sons, if, the, if, uh, if there are other sons, or if not, let's say the son who stole is the only child, um, then it will go to the father's brothers, the uncles of the, uh, of the thief. Um, who would be next in line to inherit the father, or it could go to any, anyone else, um, whoever would be in line. Not that those other inheritors deserve this particular money, but the point is that this son cannot benefit from what he stole, and he cannot so he cannot take the money. However, but let's say the son who um, who stole does not want to forfeit his right to that, or he doesn't have other other funds to be able to uh, to pay. Um, he can't. He can't, cannot afford to forego this money. So, because technically he does have a monetary right to it, it's just that you know, um, it's just that he cannot. Uh, it's like kind of like a fine, like he shouldn't benefit from the what he stole. Therefore, there is a loophole. The loophole is this son who stole can borrow $125 from the bank Uh, From anybody, a third party, and um, uh, then though the bank, when when it wants to repay the 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 uh, the borrower, the borrower says, "Listen, don't get repaid from me. Go to my brother, and he will pay you." And that way, it's a workaround. So the son died. That hundred twenty-five dollars that would go to the thief, he can't get it. It goes to his brother instead. But technically, monetarily, it does belong to the. Uh, The thief brother. And so he can't take it directly. Can't take benefit from that money. But there's a difference between benefiting directly and just not paying uh, a loan so he can benefit indirectly by telling the bank, oh, that guy, other guy, he'll pay for me. And then that would be okay. Someone says to his son, maybe this very son who was trying to steal from him, right? Um. So they don't have a very good relationship. Anyway, the father says, a uh, vow. Uh, like, like Kunam is like a nickname for korban." That you cannot benefit from me. Any anything that I have is prohibited to you, like a korban. So in that case, while the father is alive, the son cannot come over for dinner. He cannot get a, get a gift from his father. But now the father dies, the son can inherit because once the father dies, then it doesn't. The, the, his uh, property does not belong to him. He can't own it. As a dead person and therefore there um, he is benefiting from money that the that the, no longer belongs to the father and so once the father is dead that's it however if the father specifies and says I want you to you're gonna you can have no benefit from any of my property during my lifetime and even after death in that case the prohibition is in hearing and the property itself you can have no benefit from all this property and so in that case even after he dies the son cannot inherit and therefore that son who was excommunicated uh, for, well there, there's a vow against his benefiting that he will have to that money will go either to his brothers or to his uncles, the brothers of the deceased but if he doesn't have sufficient funds to live that son and he really needs this money then we can use the same loophole and he can just borrow from the bank uh, whatever that amount is and then the bank will go and collect from the those uh, other inheritors his his own brothers or his own uncles because the point is he can't a benefit from the from the father, but once it goes into someone else's hands, so then um, he's benefiting from the bank, right? This doesn't this benefit from the bank, and it's only indirectly is he benefiting that he doesn't have to pay back the bank. It's like the bank said, okay, forget it, you don't have to pay, and the bank themselves, they benefit from getting paid from that property, and so once it's indirect, the prohibition no longer applies. Amar sedaka. In the case when someone robs his father, and then um, he, uh, he 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 uh, he cannot take the money himself. Um, so he, he either it goes to the to his brothers or to his uncles and Av Yosef is adding it can even go into the charity pot. It's not that the other brothers Deserve this money, right? It's just that this brother who who stole the son who stole cannot take it for himself, and so if they decide, okay, you know what? It'll go to charity. That's fine. The papa has to that as long as the son who stole specifies. This, was, uh, this is money that I robbed from my father. In other words, he shouldn't be able to take credit for it as if he legitimately inherited this money and says, oh, I'm giving you this big donation, right? Put a plaque on the wall. I want a tax receipt for it. No, you're, you're, you have to tell them, announce that you're giving it only because you stole from the father and you can't keep it anyway. That way, you don't benefit from the honor of having given it. And now we ask, why? why can't the son keep the money? Why can't he uh, forgive his own uh, obligation? In other words, since the son stole from the father, if the father was alive, he'd owe the father $125. Now the father died, so technically he owes the father's estate 125 but he's the inheritor, so he gets it back. So instead of Paying himself, he could just forgive himself. You can do that. Milo tenan machalo keren velo alma we saw Mishnah back a few days ago regarding uh, the the fact that if you steal from someone and lie, you have to go and return the principal, even to travel to Madai, even if you have to spend more on the trip than the than the payment is worth. Um, you have to go and do that. However, that Mishnah taught if the victim. Uh, forgives the robber of the principal um uh, uh, and even if he didn't forgive him regarding the fifth payment then he does not have to travel all the way there to return it what do you see from here that if a victim wants to he it's it's, uh, his right to forgive right it's not like a um a fine to the betta mikdash that you have to pay it who's going to forgive it here the victim can forgive it so in this case it's basically just a monetary obligation so in this case if the father was alive the father could forgive it the father's now it goes to the uh, to the heir, who was the son who was who the thief himself. So if the son, he's owed this money, if he want if he wanted to forgive it, he can. Now he happens to also be the perpetrator, so he's both the perpetrator and the collector. So he can forgive the lo- he forgive this payment, and then he doesn't have to pay. So what's the problem? Let him just forgive it, and then he can keep the money. So, why does the Mishnah say that he doesn't keep the money, he has to give it to his brother? We're going to see three answers to this. The first one is to say that the Mishnah over here, our Mishnah, is the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. And the Mishnah over there, um, regarding the guy who uh, 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 forgives, who lives in Madai, that is the opinion of Rabbi Yoseah Galilee. Uh, the next answer is going to be that, that it's all Rabbi Yoseh Galilee, or it's all, both are Rabbi Akiva. So let's see the first one. What are we talking about? What do they argue about? The Tanya. We're talking about this Pasuk here um, in the same context of what we were learning before. But, uh, so you have to give back. The item that you stole. But here's the thing, if the person is dead and there is no uh, kin, there's no go'el, there's no next in line, to, that you could give the uh, the restitution too, right? You have to. You want to give it to someone if he's not if he's not alive. You want to give it to the inheritors, but he has none. So then, as the pasuk says, you give it to the kohen. Besides the elakipurim, Besides the korban, that also will be given to the kohen. So we're going to see that in in a few minutes that this goes to the kohen. But the question here is, what do you mean? There's no relative. Everybody has a relative, right? I mean, uh, uh, every Jew is related to have to have a parent. Okay, they have children, they have a brother, a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, you know, Jewish geography. Come on, you could be able, to, should be able to find someone who doesn't have any relatives. Oh, it's a convert to Judaism. A convert, their biological kin is not legally recognized by Halakha as their legal kin. And therefore, if they have no children then there is no inheritor. So this pasuk is talking about someone who steals from a ger um, and life swears falsely about it. Um, and so there's no one to give it to. So he, uh, what, what do you do with that? So the pasuk said that you're going to have to give that money to a kohen. So here's an interesting case. Someone stole from a convert and he swore to the convert. He says, I didn't take it. It wasn't me. And then he heard a rumor that the convert had died. Now he felt bad. Oh, the convert died. What am I going to do? So you know what? He wants to make Teshubah. And so he takes the money that he stole, and he brings in asham and he's going to bring it to Yerushalayim, and he's going to give the money to a Kohen, as the Pasuk says, because there's nobody else to give it to, um, plus the fifth and he's going to bring his asham, And then, uh, on the way he meets that very convert that he stole from. He says, oh, I thought you were dead. I am so sorry. You know, when I heard about that, I was felt some, such remorse. And look, I'm on the way to make Teshuvah, to return the money. And then the convert says, listen, you don't have to pay me right now. You do owe me this money that you stole and the fifth. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're on the way there. I'm on the way here. And I don't need the money right now. You can make it a loan, right? We'll we'll say it's a loan and you can pay me uh, next month. Okay, so then they go on their way. And so the idea is that he still owes, the robber owes the convert the money. However, in the meantime, before he actually pays, Umet zacha hala galili The convert now really dies. Ah, uh, so now, now what do we do? Okay, koin galili the robber can keep the money. Why? Because the general law regarding a, a convert um, who has no uh, relatives is that all of his property becomes hefker, uh, since there's no one to inherit him. So then, anyone who comes and takes it first can can keep it. Now, this guy who has a loan, right? Because it was converted into a loan, so now he has money that. He was supposed to give to the convert but the convert died and so he has first dibs on it because it's already in his hands and therefore he can keep it and what about the restitution um of the uh that of what he stole no well the the owned the um the convert already forgave it he said right that oh, you don't have to pay you know what turn it into a loan it's like you know i um it's like he's saying i accept it but now you keep the money and you'll pay me back um, at a later point, so therefore, he can just keep it. Rebi Akiba, Omer, and lo chiosi mitachat however, says, no, even though it was converted into a loan, doesn't matter. The point is that the robber did not pay what he has to pay to make teshubah, um for st- uh, uh, stealing and lying, and so therefore he cannot get tishuba until it's removed from his possession. And so Drakiba says he's going to have to go and give it to a kohen in order to make uh, to make teshubah. That is the machloket. Now let's analyze and see how it applies here. According to Rabbi galili. A person can forgive this payment, and it doesn't matter whether he's forgiving it for himself or forgiving it for uh, for someone else. The case of forgiving it for someone else is easier to explain. That would be the Mishnah that is according to the the earlier Mishnah about the guy who lives in Madai and says, oh, "I forgive the." Uh, he, he's the victim of the robbery. He says, "I forgive the the principal. You don't have to pay it." Certainly, there he can forgive it, and even. The, the Biyose, I would say, in our Mishnah, even the son, who is um, who is the robber himself, but now he's also the inheritor, even the son can forgive himself. yet yeah, Biyosek says that's also okay. We're going to see that this will apply to the case of the convert as well, where um, the convert, if he were alive, could have forgiven the robber, and now that the convert died and the robber inherits by really you know uh, appropriates the uh, the robber's uh, money cuz he already has it in his hand so he also can forgive himself so that uh, make, that makes sense of the earlier Mishnah. Akiva says nobody can forgive such uh, such payments. In order to get atonement, the payment has to be given, and therefore the earlier Mishnah that says the guy in Madai can forgive the principal, and then you don't have to give it to him; you could still get atonement. That is not the opinion of Rabi Akiva. If you don't pay, you don't get atonement. Doesn't matter if the guy says it's all right; I don't need you to pay. The victim says I don't need you to pay. It's up to him. Fine, he won't get his money, but the robber still won't get atonement. So that is only to be said to be Akiva. Our Mishnah over here is the opinion of Rabbi Akiva that a son cannot forgive himself, and that's why the money has to go to a brother, and for that son robber to get it, he'd have to go to a third party bank and use the loophole. And in this case of the convert, even though he is appropriating the convert's money after the convert died, doesn't matter. He still has to go and give the money to Kohen because he has to, if, if he wants to get atonement. And so that's the first answer. We add just a further clarification. Since we just said, according to B.O.S., one can forgive even himself. So what's the whole deal with um if the convert says keep it as alone even if the convert didn't say keep it as alone they just met and he says oh i see you're alive right and just and the convert died Before the uh, the robber got a chance to pay him, so he, he didn't make it. He didn't establish it as a loan, and the robber was going to give it to him. But now the convert died, and he has it in his hand, so then he can still keep it. So even though it wasn't converted into a loan, it doesn't matter, since he now possesses the property of the convert, so he can forgive himself. Right, he, who is he going to pay? He would have to pay the convert. But now, this money that he would have to pay for the convert, he can he get? He gets legally, right? Convert has no no heirs. He can keep. So then, therefore, he just forgives his own. Pay. It's like he's paying himself. Same saying, same as saying that he forgives himself. That's fine. He can keep the money. And so to to the say, really, it doesn't matter if the convert said, "Oh, we'll turn it into a loan," or if he didn't say that. And the reason why the that baraita says it's a case where he turned it into a loan, is not to teach us anything about the biyoseh, but rather, is to show the extent to which the biyoseh says that it does not work. Even if the convert said, you know what, don't pay me the payment that you owe me, just turn it into a loan. And so now we might've thought that, oh, now that it shifts into a loan, it's like he paid. And now there's just a loan, a regular case of a loan that you give to a convert and he dies, you can keep. Akiva teaches, no, even in this case, that money that you still have, you still have it in, it's, it's stolen goods, ill-gotten gain, and therefore you cannot get atonement. Unless you pay it to um the the rightful owner or his heirs or to the kohen, and even though he said the convert said it's a loan, still no good. You have to get it get it out of your hands. All right, matzki flat av sheshat. All that's the first answer. Av sheshat is going to challenge it. Iachid the biyosegili the shminah de nafshe v'kol sheken acherim or the biyakiba the shminah de la masem achil v'kol de la masem if what you're saying is true, then the Mishnayot that they teach um, should be the opposite cases, as follows. Our Mishnah, the, the, the Mishnah over there, back, back a few days ago, about the guy who lives in Madai. You're telling me that that's the opinion of the Yose. But that's a case where others are forgiving, right? Someone else is forgiving the robber. But according to the Beyoseh, who says that even a, a person can even forgive himself, so the Beyoseh should have said his, his um, chidush regarding a case of a son with the father. All right? And that would then, it should have said that. Why would the Beyoseh HaGalili teach us a case of someone else forgiving it? he should teach us a case of he forgiving himself. So that doesn't make sense. And the other side also, if Rabbi Akiva thinks that no one can ever forgive alone, then he shouldn't teach a case of a son forgiving himself, where, uh, where that's, you know, that's easier to, to understand why he doesn't forgive. Rabbi Akiva should have been the one to say that in the case of a guy who lives in Madai, a, a third uh, a, the, the victim himself, he even he cannot forgive alone. And then that, would, then we would know for sure if even a victim cannot forgive a loan, c- cannot forgive the payment. Certainly, a person cannot forgive his own payment. I and mean, so each one is giving the smaller chidush. So really, they should have switched, swapped cases, and then it would have made more sense. So therefore, your distinction between uh, splitting the difference of these two mishnayot that wants to be Akivan and wants to be Yoseh that doesn't work. Ela Amadav Shachat. Have <laughs> both Mishnayot are to be a The earlier one that says the victim can can uh, uh forgive, obviously, because he thinks that people can forgive. <laughs> and so when he says people can forgive, that's only others, and that's why that Mishnah beforehand is Davka. It's particularly the guy the guy in, in Madai who's alive, he's the victim, he can forgive. But even a would say that a person can uh, cannot forgive himself, and that's why he's also the author of our Mishnah, where the father died and then the son, the son can't forgive himself, and that's why the money has to go to his brother. So that's good easily to recognize. Reconciles to Mishnayot. So in the case of the of the of the convert, so why does the, how come the uh, robber can keep it in that case? After all, he's forgiving himself. And we just said, according to Biyosah Galilee, you cannot be, forgive yourself. And the answer is oh, only because the convert turned it into a loan. Now that he turned him into a loan, that's why he can keep it, because it's a regular loan. But if he had not done so, this is different from the uh, inference, that the way we interpret Biyosah saying Galilee, according to the previous answer. All right, And according to this answer, it's only because it was a loan, otherwise it would be forgiving himself, and Yosei would would not not permit it. That's the second answer. Rava Amar Ha'Veharbi Akiva, here Amar Bi Akiva De Lo Masemachil Nafsheh, about the Cherim Masemachil. Rabbi Akiva says <laughs> both Mishnayot are Bi Akiva. And when the Bi'akiba says you cannot forgive a loan, that's what he says regarding the convert. That's only that he can't he can't forgive his own loan, um, as he's doing here when the convert died, and so he can't do it. He can't convert. He can't um, uh, forgive himself. Uh, but others, he, uh, someone else, can forgive, and that also explains both Mishnayot. The Mishnah beforehand about the guy in Madai—that's talking about a, someone else, the victim. Can, if he's alive, he can forgive the robber. Our Mishnah here is the son forgiving himself. He cannot do that. That's why he has to go for the go to the brothers and the convert. Is also just fine because you cannot forgive himself, and so everything is consistent according to the Bi'akiva. Now we ask: If you say that um, uh, that uh, all these all of these opinions are the Bi'akiva, and the Bi'akiva thinks that um, you can forgive someone else, but you can't forgive yourself, that would mean that according to the Bi'oseh Galilee. Even, one can even forgive oneself, right? Because Biyasei has to be more lenient than the be akiva So even, one can even forgive oneself. the kohanim, When would you ever have a case of gezel someone who stole from a ger, and the way the Torah says, the pasuk that we read, that says you have to give it to the Kohanim. You can always just forgive yourself. Right? In other words, according to be Geliri, Um, You can always forgive yourself, and therefore, even if it was not a uh, a loan, um, uh, and he just stole from the ged and then the get died, so he can keep it. So, when would you ever have to give it to a kohen? Oh, we're talking in that in the pasuk would be talking about a case where a person stole from a convert. Uh, swore falsely that he didn't steal. Then the convert dies, and only after the convert dies he admitted to it. Um, so at the time that he admitted, since the convert is not even alive, so then he does not have to pay the convert. Such that then, when the convert dies, he could keep the money. Now, that doesn't apply. But at the time that he that he um, uh, admits, since he's not alive then the uh the thing that he um uh, stole will be acquired by God, right? Um and God says, "Give it to the Kohanim." and so that makes a distinction in terms of the order. if he admits while the convert's alive, so then the monetary obligation goes to the convert, the convert dies. oh, he has the money anyway. He can just keep the money, according to Bi Segula. but if he only if the convert dies first and only then he admits, so then he owes that money to Hashem and then the Torah says give it to the Kohen. When the Torah says that if you steal from, if someone steals from a convert and lies, uh, and then uh, the convert dies, so then he returns it to the Kohen. So I know that's talking about if the convert was a man, was a male. But what if it was a female? Um, so does the same law apply? Uh, On no, the one hand, you could say the Torah says, Ish. Um, so we can infer from there, from there, and not Isha. So maybe it would not apply to someone who, who steals from a female convert, and the payment does not go to the Kohen. Or do we say, there's just the way of the Pasuk, it says Ish, but it means uh, in- inclusive, it includes everybody. Ama Rav Le Ravina Tashima Detanya Ish and Li Ish Shenaim. So uh Rav Aharon answers Ravina is I have a Braita that answers it. Though even though the Torah says Ish, I only know if the convert is a man, then you have to give it to the Kohen. Um how do how about if the convert was who was stolen from is a woman? When the Torah said when the Pasuk says Ham Mushav, that which is uh, returned. Let's see the pasuk inside here. Here's where it says man, right? If the convert is a man and he has no other inheritors, um, then the item that is uh, returned, you give to the Kohen. You see the double language of and. hasham So, because of that double language, we can learn that um, it applies also to a woman. If she is the robbery victim and she is a convert, then also, and she dies, it also goes to the Kohen. If so, why say Ish? If you're going to have to just Add another word to add Isha. Ish atasarikh lakhzorah halav, ahadav, im logo alimim lav the word ish is not coming to exclude a female but rather coming to exclude a child only if it's an adult man or woman then you have to first check to see maybe he has children who are his heirs um, or maybe not if not then you give it to a quen but if it's a convert child where there's no way that he has any children himself and and his parents are not his heirs and his brothers and sisters are not his heirs because he's a convert and um, So you do not have to check to see if who who else is there, because for sure he has no um, heirs. That's what the word ish is coming to teach. So now, what what do you do with it if you stole from the from the convert? He died, so it says you give it. It goes to Hashem to the kohen, which means Hashem gets it. Right, it goes to the you know to Kodesh to, to Shamaim and who which Kohen will get it? The Kohen that is serving in the Mishmar. All Kohanim are split up into 24 groups. Each group, each Mishmar serves for one week and then they rotate. So each one will be for about two weeks every year. Whoever happens to be on guard um, at that time of the payment. That, that those Kohanim get it. Is that true? Do you say it? Does it have to go to that Mishmad? Maybe the thief says, Listen, I have a friend who is a Kohen. I want to give it to my friend Kohen, who's not in the current Mishmad. But look at the rest of the Pasukah says um, uh, he, you give the, the, the stolen item to the Kohen in addition to the uh, the ram of Kippurim that will atone for him. So who gets the, that ram? Well, it's the, it's the Kohen who's serving in that Mishmar. So just like the Kohen who's serving in that Mishmar gets the Korban, so too he gets the property. Interesting case. The robber is himself a Kohen perhaps the kohen who stole he stole from a um from a convert and the convert died so the would can think to himself ah since this is gonna be given to kohanim and now look it's already in the possession of a, 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 a it's already in my possession and i'm a kohen so i should be able to keep it and this kohen not only um, is he a kohen? He's also a great logician, and he can make a kava chomer. If a kohen can get stolen items from other people, a Yisrael who steals from a, from a convert and the convert dies, the kohen gets it. All the more so, if a kohen himself stole, he should be able to keep it, and that, therefore, I should be able to keep it. And that's one version of the kavachomer. Rabbi Nathanomer, Rabbi is gonna bolster up this kavachomer of the kohen. It's a wrong kavachomer, but we're gonna make the best case possible first. Uma davas she'en lo miyado. If a kohen, where uh, the, the for something that he has no a uh, share in it until he gets it. But once he gets it, no one else can take it from him. That's referring to Tiruma. right? Someone has Tidumah, uh, 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 the, the, the farmer owns the Tidumah until he decides which Kohen to give it to. So Kohen has no share in it until it, he's, it comes into his possession, if the farmer gives it to him. But once it gets into his possession, no other Kohen can take it from him. So that's the uh, origin, uh, that's the source of our of kavachomer. Then all the more so, an item stolen from a ger and the ger died, which is um, something that he has. If he's if he's part of that Mishmar, he has a, a portion in it. Even before he takes possession of it, just automatically, in giving the situation, whoever is going to be the mishmad is going to be the owner, even before it's physically given to him. So, all the more so if the kohen is, a, is is the thief and already has it in his possession, then he shouldn't have to give it up to give it to whoever is in the mishmad. If he is, uh, even if he's not in the mishmad himself, since he already has possession of it, he should be able to keep it. Okay, that sounds like a logical Kava but then the B'nayta rejects it. Lo. No, you can't compare them because it's precisely teruma where that is something that the Kohen has no automatic right to. So just like he has no automatic right to, that's why no other Kohen can take it from him, right? The farmer can decide, it belongs to the farmer until such time as the farmer says I'm going to give it to Kohen A so Kohen A had no right to it until it was given to him and therefore this Kohen B also has no right to it and they had no right to it and therefore cannot take it from Kohen A that makes sense in regarding Turumah you can't compare that to Gezel um, regarding gezel, just like this kohen who is a thief, let's say he's part of that mishmad of that very of that very very week when it, when it will be paid back. So just like he, as a kohen in that mishmad, has an automatic right to it even before it's given over to him in his possession, he already has a right to it. So too, all the other kohanim in in that mishmad have an automatic right to it to it, and therefore will be able to take it from him. Rather, this Kohen, who stole from a convert who died, although this money is in his hands and the convert died, so you'd say, well, maybe he can keep it? No. Just uh, uh, Just like he has a right to it automatically, so do all of the other Kohanim of that mishpat have a right to it, and they can take it from him. He cannot keep it. That's the answer the, to the kavachomid. We ask vakiti biish et kodashav lo yihyu. That's continuation of that of that uh, chapter. Right? Um, if a kohen brings his own uh, sacrifices, he keeps them. In other words, if whenever a kohen has to owes owe some korban it's his prerogative to say i'm going to, i want to offer it myself and then you know whatever parts of it that the kohen uh, keeps he will be able to keep as the kohen law so therefore just like he can keep his the his own korban he should be able to keep his own uh, stolen uh, property um, doesn't that make sense? And we answer, we're talking about a Kohen who is Tameh. So, this Kohen, this is talking about such a case. Since the Kohen is Tameh, he cannot bring the Korban and keep the parts of the Qurban. That's why, in this case, he also cannot keep the stolen items. If he was Tahor, then maybe indeed, yes, he could keep his Qurban and he could keep the stolen item. But here, it's a Kohen Tameh who does not. But we reject this. <laughs> if it's Kohen Tameh, could, would you say something that he has a part of? Right. We said in the rejection of the, the baraita says in the rejection of the Khomed, something that he himself has a part of. When the kohen is tameh, not only can he not get the korbanot, he can't get the hides. That all the all the hides of the of all the sacrifices go to the kohanim. Um, he can't get it, even though it doesn't matter that he's tameh. He doesn't get a tameh kohen doesn't get any of the gifts from the beta HaMikdash. So, um, if he's a Kohen, we wouldn't say he has a part in it. So, the B'raita cannot be assuming that he is a Tameh. Rather, it's talking about a, a Tahor Kohen. And in fact, as a Tahor Kohen, he can bring his own Korban and keep everything, uh, and keep his own Korban. Nevertheless, the stolen item itself, he cannot keep. Why? It's a gezerah Shav- shavah the from the word la from the law of a sedeahusa. Uh, this is um the law that will be um explained in this praita the tanya ahuza to matamodomar minana sedehios alokohanim bayovel ugalai hadmina kohanim Minain shelo yomar ho'il ilbios a la koanim bayovel harvehi tahad yadi tehe sheli okay so it's a bit complicated the law of a sedeahusa if I have an inherited inherited land it was passed down but from my father from my grandfather right and if I would sell it it would come back to me in the yovel. good that's a Sedeh Ahuza so if I make it Hegdesh uh, in the middle of the of the yovel, I have a right to uh, um, uh, to uh, redeem it right I pay a fixed amount that the Torah says that's prorated according to the number of years till the yovel, and then I can get it back Good, but if the owner does not redeem it and someone else pays for it, then it goes to that person until the ovel. At the ovel, it does not go back to the ancestral owner. The ancestral owner loses it forever, and instead, the Beit Hamikdash divides it up to the Kohanim that are in that mishmad of that we of the of whenever the the Oval, uh, year um, starts. Whoever is uh, our Kohanim in that mishmad they will get that land. All right, that's the law. Now, this B'dayta is asking, um, when it says, Ahuzato, regarding this, uh, the, this field that is donated, how, we learn from it. How do we know that a field that will be divvied up to, by the Kohanim in the Ovel, but before that, a Kohen is the one that paid for it and redeemed it. So, we have the original owner don- consecrated it. The original owner did not redeem it. A Kohen, instead, paid money to redeem it. So now, if it was a Yisrael, then it would go back to the Bet HaMikdash and the Kohanim would, would divide it up. But now, since it's a Kohen who owns it, maybe you would think that that Kohen could say, since it's going to be divided up to the Kohanim and the Ovale and I'm a Kohen, so I should be able to just keep the whole thing. The dean, who, b'shel acherim ani zocheh b'shel asmilo kosh kohen, after all, the kohen can make a, a kavachomed if it was redeemed by someone else, a Israel, I would get it, right? Because I'm a Kohen, so now that I'm the owner, all the more so, I should keep it for myself, and I shouldn't have to share it with any other Kohanim in the Mishmar. That's why the Pasuk says that it will be like a, uh, a field that that is consecrated and it goes to uh, the Kohen. In a simple reading, it means the owner's uh, ancestral field. But here we're saying that it refers to the Kohen's ancestral field. If the Kohen has an ancestral field that he um, got from his ancestors, that he can keep for himself and doesn't have to share. But this field that the Kohen simply redeemed. It was the owner that consecrated it and the owner never redeemed it. And this Kohen happened to redeem it um, he cannot keep that one in the ovel; Rather, he has to give it up and it will be redivided among all the Kohanim um, of that Mishmar. So that's the law that we learn from um, Sedeh Ahuza. And now we do a, make a Gizrat Shavah, La-Kohen, La-Kohen, to teach us that's the same law regarding a Kohen who steals from a convert who dies. That Kohen also cannot keep the item, uh, the item, even though it was a convert. Um, uh, and he himself as a kohen is going to have to be paid to a kohen. No, he doesn't keep it himself. He has to divide it up with the. Um, uh, he has to. Uh, has to be divided among the kohanim who are in that mishmar. Baruch Adonai Leulam. Amen. V'amen.